This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Jordan, let me, okay, now be honest with me here. I will. How do you really feel? The Sparks are in the toilet. The season just ended. The regular season just ended, and the next morning you wake up, and Liz Cambage has just posted a photo with her butt cheeks out. (laughs) Do you? I, this is this is your boy talking. I'm all for body positivity. I, I support the arts. When you see her with the cakes out on a cliff after one of the worst seasons, after the night after giving up a 41 to nine second quarter that I watched in person, one of the worst quarters of basketball ever put on film ever. Mm. And 12 hours later, Liz is letting the things loose. Are you happy when you see it? Hello and welcome to Take Line. I'm your host, Jason Concepcion. Today, Jordan Liggins will be riding shotgun with us. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be joined by the great Jamel Johnson uh, to talk about WNBA playoffs. Uh, Then Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal will join us to react to the Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension stemming from his uh, stomach-churning sexual assault cases. But let's get into it. Jamel, Jordan, it's so great to see you. Before we get started a strange thing is happening, and that is Arsenal FC, uh, they're playing great. They're doing great. It is August, but they're doing great in a way that feels like things, the events of recent years have been upended. And so I'd like to talk about it with you for a little while, Jamel, and I would also like to see if we can indoctrinate Jordan. Jordan, I know you don't. I don't know. You might not know what's going on. Imagine if your student loans were just forgiven out of nowhere. Yeah. Forgive it. Wow. Okay. This is a great day. Okay. That's how this feels. You're just like, whoa, I never thought I would see this day. All right. All right. And then it happens before your eyes. All right. Anything with my loans forgiven, I'm I am a fan of. <laughs> like legitimately, you like, you pick up your cell phone, it's in the morning, right? You, you your alarm goes off, you're like, what's going on? Six AM, you're like, I got this weird what is this number? Voicemail? Okay, I listen to it and it's like <laughs> Hey, Jordan, what's up? It's big student loans here. You're good. So don't worry about it. We're good. I, I see what you're doing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, we can get this money. We can get this paper from other people. We don't need it from you. We're good. Wow. 5,000 British men chant tequila in your... Yeah. So what's going on, Jordan, is the previously... In the history of the recent EPL, 
Arsenal FC of North London have been kind of a joke, sort of a doormat. Their longtime and iconic manager had stepped away some years ago, and that had ushered in a period of turmoil when it had become fun to make fun of this team that had fallen from such heights. They were actually not like they felt the eighth, which feels terrible because you're out of the cha- you're out of the money basically if you don't finish top 4 you don't get to play in the best tournament in the world the champions league and so you miss out on like millions and millions and millions of euros that you could then use to to help your team so they they finished eighth and it's not great that's the lowest they fell but it's been tough and now they're back they made some great signings and it's a young squad that has been together a little while and now all of a sudden you feel like they're gelling and it's just a fun time to root for the team. Jamel, what am I missing here? Absolutely nothing, sir. Also, you should keep in mind that everybody on the team is like under 25. They're all cute little babies. Little children. Babies playing soccer. They're babies playing soccer with adults, and they can't be stopped. <laughs> Their striker, his name is spelled Jesus, but it's Jesus. Gabriel Jesus. And when I tell you that no man has ever held that name in such high esteem since the ancient days than this man right now, Gabriel Azus. He is the white Jesus. He's not white, but he is the white <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, he's Brazilian. He's like, he's cocoa-skinned man, but absolutely... <laughs> Is what? Jesus on the back of his jersey? Because that's amazing. Yes. Okay, that's Number awesome. nine, Jesus. Yes! <laughs> Seven was taken? Oh, my God. Okay. And on top of that, Jordan, the teams that have been dominant in recent days, many of them owned by the sovereign wealth funds of various oil producing nations are, if not struggling, not starting as strongly as one would expect Chelsea, who very recently were owned by Roman Abramovich, currently under UN sanction and United States sanctioned due to his his ties to the Vladimir Putin government in Russia, uh, was formerly the owner of Chelsea. And they just got mollywopped three goals to nil by Leeds United, managed by American Jesse March. All those Ted Lasso jokes that have been swirling around suddenly put to bed in one mm, fell swoop. Okay, Jordan. this is drama. The one thing I could get on board with is some drama. I like it. No, hella drama. I mean, it's it is a drama that is on Amazon Prime that you can watch. Go ahead, throw on some all all or nothing. The best comp I can give you is is like, what if we were on the other side of the sparks? rebuilding already and the sparks were really good yes Mm -hmm. all the pieces had like come together all the struggle yeah all of that has is suddenly paying dividends and you you've come out the other side or seemingly come out the other side and not only that but all of that drama had been put Mm -hmm. on front street for everyone to see much like arsenals in this all or nothing documentary you get to see the struggles that brought us to this place it's a great place to be jordan wow i'm so happy for you guys that seems like a, a fun time fun thing to celebrate If it was the Sparks, just that thought honestly brought tears to my eyes (laughs) of us being good again. That would be a wonderful sight. I can't even imagine what that day feels like. So I'm with you. Imagine if Jordan Canada made Team USA. Is she even American? (laughs) Imagine if she missed 
two free throws to win the Olympics and then came back for the WNBA season and was unfucking stoppable. Wow. We love a redemption arc. This is this is a drama show. I like it's it. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> all or nothing. It's all there. Jordan, how are you feeling about the Sparks? <laughs> it's been a tumultuous. <laughs> I mean, I, there's no way to. It's been a tumultuous several you know, weeks. This is how I feel about the Sparks. <laughs> I I've said this on other episodes. Yes. You know, podcasts before, but I stick with it. I'm more upset at myself. And I think that's the reflection mm. that I have to take. I I look back in like March. I was high on life. I was like, we got Liz Cambage. We got Jordan Canada. We got Kennedy Carter. Like, this is going to be the best season ever. We're back, baby. None of that happened. And we were second to dead last no. in the standings. And there was so many left turns like Derek Fisher gets fired which I celebrated and then that was a good left turn that was a good left turn that was a turn that was a turn that had been long on the GPS and we had been waiting for that turn the worst part about him getting fired was him tweeting right after and saying you know thanks to the Sparks organization but I'm open to positions in the NBA and player development so email me (laughs) And I wanted to blow up the computer. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jordan, let me. Okay, now be honest with me here. I will. How do you really feel? The Sparks are in the toilet. The season just ended. The regular season just ended. And the next morning you wake up and Liz Cambage has just posted a photo with her butt cheeks out. (laughs) Do you? This is this is your boy talking. I'm all for body positivity. I, I support the arts. When you see her with the cakes out on a cliff after one of the worst seasons, after the night after giving up a 41 to 9 second quarter. That I watched in person. One of the worst quarters of basketball ever put on film. Ever. Mm. And 12 hours later, Liz is letting the things loose. Are you are you happy when you see it? I'm I can report I'm not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> but I'm it's what expected. She has left basketball to pursue modeling and here's the thing. Liz Cambage doesn't like basketball. Like she didn't seem like she was happy playing basketball. She doesn't seem to like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of things don't seem to like her. Exactly. Fairly so. <laughs> doesn't like the sport of basketball. Doesn't like yeah. the people who play who basketball. Who play basketball. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lot. I think that's where I blame myself because she has shown time and time again that she is a quitter. And for me to be like, she's not going to quit on us. Like, we're the spark. She wanted to be in L.A. This We had a press conference. We rolled out the red carpet for her. And for her to just quit at a very pivotal time just speaks volumes. And everyone in the league is like, we don't want her on our team. She hasn't played two consecutive seasons for a franchise. Like, she has quit on everyone. And so I think it's just like, keep modeling. Show off your butt cheeks because that is what brings you joy, not basketball. And for people who are Sparks fans and want to actually win, we want people on the floor that want to play basketball. 
damn, that was real. Damn. I felt the exhale. <laughs> I could feel the wind that was real. The gust coming <laughs> off of that breath. I was Sorry. man, I said it like Sorry. three years ago. Like she was holding the aces down. And what I wanted mm-hmm. to happen, I was like, they're gonna trade Liz to LA for Candace. And then can and then Vegas will finally win. But took a couple more years, but we ended up there. Yeah, yeah. It's um Vegas, I think you are able to see what <laughs> a Liz list basketball team can accomplish. They are playing with so much joy. They are yeah. playing together. And I'm that's the positivity of me of like next year we won't have that cancerous attitude in the locker room from the jump. So hopefully they can, Oof. you know, because I talk to the players all the time. They're like, it was a horrible year. Like everybody was frustrated. Nobody liked each other. Practices were tough. We're learning new systems with the coach. And so now going into next year, they will have a new coach. It's official. And hopefully we could just get that from the jump. Everybody buying in, wanting to play basketball, wanting to win because I'm I'm an LA sports fan. We win. We don't know how to lose. This is a tough time. Perhaps this is the time for y'all to learn. I mean, it's been, no. I can't. <laughs> Take this time and learn your lessons. I don't want to learn those lessons. I, I just want to say, the less said about Derek Fisher, the better. And But I just want to say at this point, I think it's become clear to everyone that he is on top of everything else, on top of the fact that he is up to some shysty, like there is something grimy about this guy that said, he's also, like, really dumb. He's also, like, not a smart man. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just, he had no experience coaching women's Zero. basketball. And to be handed this none job with, like, a red ribbon and, like, here, here's the keys to a championship franchise in the Sparks with such a slap in the face. And for him to tank it. And then leave and be like, yeah, you know, um, player development, NBA. Like, if you guys want me, call me. No one's going to call you. You're terrible at coaching. You're really bad. (laughs) Um, Game three, Chicago, New York, this Tuesday. Shocking game one win. And then this guy come out and roll a monster truck over the Liberty's face. (laughs) What do we expect for game three? It being in New York, it's tough, man. It's tough to it. I, ooh. It's tough. I think we have to I talk about know. the playoff format. So the new change. Um, now yeah, it's not single that. elimination game, which thank God, because Chicago Sky would be out. So now Great. we're going yes. in this first round, best of three. In the next two rounds, uh, best of five. But with this best of three. The top-seeded team, if it goes three, has to win on the road. What? And that's for travel. It's like they're. It's like you're already making them fly commercial. Just do the right thing. Make the last game with the home court advantage. It's not. It's uh, not good for a Liberty team that has sold out Barclays Center. Like their crowd is one of the best in the league. And they were probably like second quarter yeah. of their blowout loss. They were like, oh, thank God we're going back home. Like, we're so excited to go back to New York. Losing by 40 is honestly like really good. Now, and in that situation, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
okay, put put the bench in. We're getting ready for game three. We're we're headed home. You can't you you get another chance to play. It's almost like this forty point drubbing didn't even happen. Headed home is wild, and it definitely feels like like one of the you know one of the many like wait what what are we doing? We're gonna fix this right. Like this, there's they this will be the case for this season maybe you know and but they got to change this and i think everyone knows that this will change right if new york wins it's getting changed immediately candace parker is gonna have the amended rules in her shorts (laughs) (laughs) next year if because now we're at two of those scenarios dallas wings also has a chance to upset connecticut so if either of those teams win then the rule gets changed immediately. Because if we remember last year, Chicago was 500 going into the playoffs. They beat, they won all their single elimination games to win the championship. Rule gets changed immediately. Like not even when we're talking about WNBA news. It was like in October. No one's talking about the WNBA then. And they changed the rule. So this is going to get changed immediately if one of those teams get upset. (laughs) I don't understand why it can't just be three out of five all the way through. Just make it three out of five all the way through, man. Just make it three out of five. I know. Yeah. That's fine with me. I think the issue is probably holding the venue, right? That's probably what it is, like holding the date. But, I mean, it goes back to the idea of investing in the sport. If you continuously are like, where can we cut a corner just so we can save a little money? Mm-hmm. And what happens is you have stuff like this. It doesn't make any sense. And it it is cutting corners. It's like, okay, least amount of travel. Because then if they win, they could just stay right. there and maybe just play their next game and we'll get a discounted rate for groups. I don't know. It's summertime, man. <laughs> What's the point of playing in the summertime if you can't lock an arena down? Oh, we can't play the playoffs here tonight because fucking equestrian is in town. Because we got some horses coming in. <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, AHA is doing a concert. We can't have a game. You remember that one song? Um, let's go to some sad news for Jamel. Uh, the Seattle Storm eliminated the Washington Mystics behind a double-double from 41-year-old Sue Burr, the oldest, the oldest player to record a WNBA double-double. Let me stop you right there, Jason. Sue okay, Bird okay, can okay. kiss my ass. I Because the thing about it is everybody's like, oh, Oh, it's Sue Bird. Her name's Sue. She's, like, nice. She's from Long Island. Her mom uh, writes her, like, nice post-its. No, she's actually an asshole and (laughs) can go to hell. Some of the most disrespectful basketball I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. She's, like, she goes into, like, this fucking Jimmy Butler mode where she's just, like, all right, I'm not even shooting today. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in fucking game two... A double-double. She went like six for ten from the field. And the last one, the only reason it wasn't six for nine was because she shot a fucking Isaiah Thomas one-legged buzzer beater three. They were already up 15. (laughs) She was being a dickhead. (laughs) That is very Sue Bird. Ahead of Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird's last game against each other, they did this video. And that's the common misconception that people think Sue Bird is nice and Diana Taurasi is the asshole. But they confirmed (laughs) that Sue Bird is indeed the asshole and Diana Taurasi is nice. (laughs) The post game, she was killing us in transition. Pull up three. One dribble. Pull up 19 footer. Go to the rack. Dish for the easy layup, doing whatever she wanted, ball on a string, Geppetto shit. 
And then in the fucking <laughs> post game, she was like, you know, the Mystics are a pretty good defense when they're set. When they're set, they're hard to score against. Oh, you don't say. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the most backhanded compliment of all time, Susan. She could go another year if she wanted. I hope she doesn't. She could, yeah. I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) That was going to be my question because, (laughs) like, were you going to root for the Storm? Who Now that you're Mystics, which had a great season. You guys had a wonderful, wonderful season. It was pretty good. EDD was looking great in the postseason, looking like her old self. But who is your alliance with now that your Mystics are out? Oh, oh, Vegas. Okay. I hope Vegas beats Seattle by one million points. (laughs) (laughs) New world record. (laughs) New world record. A one million point deficit in two games. That is what I'm rooting for. (laughs) Honestly, if a team would do it, it would be Vegas. Like, they're scoring wild right now. They're the best team, and they're also proving that Bill Lambeer wasn't the best coach. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When he won when he was with Detroit, I think it was a different league. So playing with that 80s NBA mentality Mm -hmm. made more sense because the game was slower. But coming to Vegas, it clearly it was between trying to go through Cambage mm-hmm. or not letting Asia Wilson shoot threes ever. As a team, they were the last in threes, and they were one of the slowest teams when Bill Lambeer was the coach. And if there's a theme here, maybe former NBA players should not coach in the yeah. WNBA. <laughs> yeah, Especially maybe. not now. It's a different league, man. We're playing for as soon as Becky Hammond comes in. She's just like, look, we're shooting it. Mm-hmm. Actually, excuse me. She's coming with the new NBA mentality, and they look fantastic. WNBA record 23 three-pointers versus the Mercury. What has Becky come in, and how has she transformed this team? Well, aside from wearing suit jackets with the hoodie. Oh, my God, uh, they're so bad. They are so bad. (laughs) That's the brand, The worst part is that she did it. Everyone... I don't know if we made fun of her for it, but we were like, Becky, what are you doing? And then now all the assistants match her every game. (laughs) Everyone looks like Miles Morales. It's business in the front, sports in the back. You know what I mean? Really don't like it. (laughs) They got to win because if they don't win. (laughs) that I will write 2,000 words on why that was the reason they lost if they don't win. Oh, man. I think her relationship with Kelsey Plum is a, is a big difference in the team as well. I would also say with Chelsea Gray, too. Really allowing Chelsea Gray, one of the best point guards in the W, um, and one of the best of all time when it's all said and done, to be able to just have the freedom to be like, I have a point guard, fellow point guard in my corner. And they talk about their relationship all the time. Becky Hammond doesn't really coach her. She's like, I let you run the offense as long as we are getting the quickest, best shot That's what I want. And it seems like everyone is flourishing with the trust that Becky seems to have in in the players. Less stress on Asia, too, it seems like. Yeah. You know? Can we get some predictions? Let's get some predictions going here. Thoughts. Uh, Obviously, this week, we've got uh, Sky looking to continue to assert themselves versus my New York Liberty after, again, a historic... (laughs) (laughs) crushing of the liberties (laughs) spirit soul and body very tough to watch and then of course sun's wings game three 
on Wednesday. Well, I'm picking New York off rip just because I picked them already. It's already on wax. I already tweeted it. So I'm going to just stay down. I mean, because I, I, you don't know why? Because I believe in Natasha Howard and Benajah Laney mm. over all else. And then you've got Sabrina willing to pass it to both of them whenever necessary. I, I, I'm rolling with the home team. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good one. I want to believe that the Chicago Sky will win, but we have to go back to game one with that incredible Maureen Johannes over the head, no look pass. They did not score a point after that pass for three minutes at the end of the game. So if she does anything, if she just closes her eyes on a free throw or something, they won't score for a whole half, maybe. I don't know. So um, I want to believe in the sky. I feel like they've had a really great season. So I think it's going to be close, but the sky pull it out. That's my prediction. It's fair. It's it's good. It could go either way. The it way could. Chicago, Chicago just looks bigger than them, too, you know? Yeah. Like there was just stretches where... They're just putting the clamps. Sabrina couldn't do anything. I don't know, but I'm still rolling. Okay, that's fine. And then Sun Wings, Connecticut Sun, Dallas Wings. The Miss Irrelevant pageant, I think I have to say. I mean, the winner of this is getting served up. Honestly, this entire side of the bracket is getting served up. The winner of the (laughs) title is the winner of Vegas, Seattle. It is. That's true. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, that's that's very legit. true. But gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> you didn't to do that. put it like that. I forgot that this was being recorded. And I, y'all know I love Connecticut. I yeah. love Connecticut. But they just keep <sighs> injuries. Got them again. They lost God, their starting point guard like two months ago. Yeah. ACL. Connecticut is this, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. As soon as the bright lights come on, they just fold. And that's exactly what we saw in game two in Dallas. I just looked up and they were wiping the floor with this Connecticut Sun team. But they did have a little bit of a comeback. They were down 30. They cut it to nine, I think, within like the... They just ran out of time in that game. If there was more time, I think they would have come back and won. So if they build off of that momentum, I think Connecticut... Shows that they are the dominant team. Alyssa Thomas just yells at everyone every time they try to come into the paint because she's so scary. And that would work. I think that's the defensive scheme that they go with. <laughs> just get screamed on. She's. I would run so far away. If Alyssa Thomas <laughs> was coming near me, I would just run out of the arena. I'd be like, you, you win. You win it all. She's ferocious in that Just way <laughs> middle middle school bully vibes jordan uh earlier in the pod uh jamel and i tried to indoctrinate you into into choosing an epl team so let me let me switch the, the question around WNBA playoffs are cooking right now we're getting the closing act of uh sue bird's legendary career you have the las vegas aces one of the most star-studded and talented teams we've seen in a while what is if people were like, God, it seems like a good time to get on right now. Who do I throw my who do I throw my allegiance to? Who should people throw mm. their allegiance to? I I think you hop on the bandwagon with the aces. It's almost full, but you can make some room, mm-hmm. <laughs> make some room on the bandwagon. I 
you are going to have a great time watching the Aces. And this Aces Storm series is, you know, it has the star power with Asia Wilson, who was my MVP of this season. You have Sue Bird, you have Brianna Stewart, you have Tina Charles on Seattle Storm. But you're going to see why the Aces are still the better team. But it's going to be fun. Like, you never watched WNBA basketball before in your life. Tune in. I think the first game is on Sunday of that uh, semifinals matchup. You got to root for the Aces. They're black and red. It's a casino theme. They have a bunny as a mascot. It's just a good time. And the owner looks crazy as hell. (laughs) Jordan, thank you so much. (laughs) Jamal, it was great to have you. And now Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for. Trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystal's Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystal's Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Thursday of last week, the NFL came to an official decision on punishments for Deshaun Watson, the uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback, who is the focus of several dozen sexual assault cases brought against him uh, in recent years. When the NFL appealed the ruling made by former federal judge Sue L. Robinson, who initially suggested a six-game suspension, the assumption was that Goodell was going to push for a year-long suspension. Here to discuss this and uh, any of the latest developments in this case is Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal. Andrew, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Andrew, uh, based on your reporting, can you take us through how the NFL arrived uh, at this decision, 11 games and a $5 million uh, fine for Deshaun Watson? Well, to take it back to the beginning, the NFL wanted to suspend him indefinitely for a period of time that would be no shorter than one season. But, you know, one of the quirks of the new collective bargaining agreement, and this was actually the first 
real personal conduct case under it was that the initial decision didn't land on Roger Goodell's desk. This first went to an independent arbitrator who's mutually picked by the NFL and the NFL Players Association. And what she found is, yes, she concluded Deshaun Watson engaged in behavior that she described as predatory and egregious. Um, But she also found that based on the past precedent from NFL suspensions that this merited a six game ban. Mm -hmm. That obviously led to a lot of outcries. (laughs) You know, um, this was a really high profile player who is accused of numerous incidents of, of misconduct. And I think one of the things that added an extra level of stink to the situation to a lot of the people was that in some ways it seemed like he was rewarded for it. Uh, he was able to get the trade that he wanted. He got a groundbreaking five-year, $230 million contract from the Browns. And that contract also was structured in a way so that if he was suspended for part of the year, he'd basically pay no financial penalty. And so it seemed like, all right, this guy got the trade he wanted, he got the money he wanted, and a pretty short suspension. Uh, but the NFL had the right to appeal that suspension, and under the way that appeal works, they were able to put the thumb on the scales as much as they wanted because Goodell could hear the appeal himself or he could handpick someone. He handpicked Peter Harvey, who is a former attorney general from New Jersey, very credible, and that sort of set the stage for, all right, the NFL handpicked this guy. Mm-hmm. He, they can probably get what they want, which is the year-long deal. But that was also going to be kind of ugly for the league because then the league is sort of going above and beyond the process and obviously tilting the scales and, you know, it could have led to a lawsuit and this whole thing lasting way longer. Or, you know, we've seen guys like ranging from Tom Brady to Ezekiel Elliott at least try in the courts to get these things overturned. And even if it doesn't work, it makes these things last much longer and get much uglier. And so eventually, you know, we were all expecting that decision to come in, but there was increased chatter that maybe is beneficial for both sides to get in for a settlement. And that's what they did. And so the NFL didn't get what it wanted in terms of the year long suspension. It was still a longer suspension than they originally got from the arbitrator. And sort of like any settlement, both sides probably leave it a little bit unhappy. Yeah, I guess that was going to be my next question. What has been the reaction to this decision? It is extra five extra games and a fine on top of the original one. But does that achieve the NFL's goal or does it still fall short in public opinion? Because you guys couldn't hear my eyes rolling as you were talking, but they were very loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of both, right? You know, there is some credit or you know, progress for the NFL in that they were able to get a longer suspension, which has implications not just on this case, but ones going forward, because as the arbitrator initially ruled, the length she decided was based on precedent. Now those goalposts have moved. This is a longer suspension than has been handed out in the past. So the NFL was able to successfully move those goalposts. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people who look at the breadth of the allegations and also the tone Deshaun Watson has struck, especially in the days since, and say, you know, it feels like this should have been longer. Let's talk about precedent as the kind of, you know, standard by which uh, Judge Sue Robinson made her ruling. It's like... If we go to the moon and I steal your wallet on the moon and then you're talking to me about precedent, but we're in like, we're on the moon. We're in, you know, new territory here. We're talking like dozens of, of victims. 
24 civil lawsuits, one of which is still active, horrendous allegations. How it seems weird to me to land on precedent as a basis for making a judgment when we're talking about a case here that is horrifyingly unique. Yeah. And I think the other thing that the NFL and I think the sports world in general has had to reckon with in terms of precedent is that I think the world in tw- it's not going to shock anybody to say that the world in 2022 is a lot different than it was in 2015, 2010, t- 2005, going and so forth. And so there's a lot more cultural sensitivities to these issues, a lot more understanding of the importance of taking these things extremely seriously. One of the things that's really thorny is that there have been these precedents there are these collectively bargained agreements, but we also know that the times are changing and they have changed. And we're looking at a world where Major League Baseball has tried to suspend Trevor Bauer for two years, right? This is a different landscape than when players such as, say, Ben Roethlisberger got pretty short suspensions for pretty ugly allegations. And when people say, well, this is what a guy like Ben Roethlisberger got years ago, I think if the same case were handled in 2022, we'd all be expecting a much longer ban. And and I think we just, we think of the NFL. We just think of the league. As I know personally, I'm not a huge fan of the NFL because of this system that continues over and over to not really punish men for disrespecting women. Um, And I think in that sense, does the league understand the significance of the decision and the culture that it's kind of allowed to exist by failing to truly punish stars for their misconduct? You know, I think it's something that they really have started to understand, especially lately. I mean, this is a league that was pushing for an indefinite Mm. suspension for that would last no shorter than a season, you know? If you said that the NFL wanted to suspend one of its highest profile players, one of its uh, brightest young stars indefinitely, I think a few years ago, we wouldn't have Mm. really expected that or considered that. And so there has definitely been some evolution there, but it's complicated. You know, a lot of these things, as much as it's football, also boil down to weird labor dynamics and things that, you know, we see with, I don't know, police unions or any other union in the world. These are, are people on the one hand, who are trying to protect their workforce and what has been collectively bargained between union, you know, the workforce and management. And there's just so many different factors about who controls what. And because, you know, we can even go back in the day and when, if this were up to the league, he would have been gone for a year. But then when it was all in Roger Goodell's hands, that was a process that I think looked really heavy handed and draconian. And so I think we're at a moment when the league definitely recognizes the importance of taking these things seriously, but it's about how to navigate these mm. new waters. What about what about the Browns, whose decision to sign Watson to a historic deal in many ways kind of crystallized the formulation that I think the NFL has kind of been built on, certainly in recent years, which is there's certain distractions that we're not going to stand for, but when it comes to you know, acquiring players, we're just going to do it. Everything else be damned because particularly quarterback, that's the rarest position in sports. And so we're going to do everything we can to win because we think that winning drowns out everything else. What's been the reaction to the Browns decision and any kind of reaction within the organization 
regarding this ruling? You know, I think from the people outside looking in, there's been a lot of eye rolling because there was that sense that they rewarded him for this entire situation by trading for him, by giving him that contract. But I think one of the things that is so queasy about this situation and others is it's not difficult to look at these teams and see how in a weird, terrible, stomach-turning way, they can profit off the inefficiency that comes with the stink Mm -hmm. of these situations. You know, oh, they're able to get Deshaun Watson, a player who might not otherwise be available in a situation like this. You know, there are players like Tyreek Hill, who was an absolutely fantastic player, but fell in the NFL draft because of what he was accused of in college. And then all of a sudden, the Chiefs are the team that's willing to take him late, and they get a player who's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Then that uh, stink fades, and they're able to trade him for a lot to the Miami Dolphins after winning a Super Bowl with him. And Mm. There's these situations where teams are able to, if they have a strong enough stomach to endure the backlash and maybe get through the backlash to the point where maybe they hope their fans just care about the points on the scoreboard, that this can be, as crazy as it sounds, something you think about in team building. Yeah, I want to touch on that more too because the fans, because I don't think there's a coincidence that the first game back for Watson is against his former team, the Houston Texans, on December 4th. Will Cleveland Brown fans kind of welcome him back on the field with open arms or will the public remember why he missed those first 11 games in the first place? What do you think the fans will kind of react when he comes back? I think it'll be a pretty mixed reaction at first. You know, I've definitely talked to Browns fans who have said, I don't know how I can uh, turn on the game and feel good about it uh, this year when he's back. I've heard from uh, but it doesn't take long searching on Twitter to find some Browns fans. And this is a fan base that is right, pretty yeah. tired of losing. It doesn't take a lot of searching to find them. like, oh, this, you know, innocent till proven guilty. You get a lot of breathless arguments about that. And so I think it'll be pretty mixed at first. But I think the interesting thing will be to say, see not what the reaction is on day one or day two, but if and when this team is in a playoff game with Deshaun Watson and he's playing as well as we've seen him play in the past, does that convert a lot of the people who just throw up their arms and say, boy, it's been a, lot, a long time since the Browns were winning and this is awesome? I mean, we, we've seen in the past how people can get over these things and just start watching what's on the field. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if whether it's this year or next year or years after that, if he plays well enough, that he helps make people forget. Let's zoom out for a second. The NFL has endured many, many crises over the last decade, decade and a half, including the numerous incidents related to various star players, including the various effects of their covering up of the concussion crisis within the sport. And yet this is this is a league that is marching on to immense, immense success. We're, we're coming off of what was I think you could say the most entertaining postseason, like certainly in memory that the NFL has had uh, recently. This is a sport that whenever their next uh, contract comes up, uh, it's going to be in the multiple billions of dollars. Uh, it, I guess what I'm saying is how have they managed to just kind of like roll over all of these things? You know, even something like concussions, which seemed existential for a while. You know, not in the sense that 
oh, the league is done. But it's in the sense that, oh, in 10, 20 years, 15 years, you'll see support fade. You'll see that pipeline kind of slow as parents uh, decline to put their kids into peewee football, et cetera. That seemed existential. And now it's not, it doesn't – it's kind of a thing that you know about that you just kind of move on past. How has the league managed to do this? I mean I think – more than any year, 2022 has crystallized that, right? I mean, just take everything that's gone on since we last saw a competitive, meaningful NFL game, right? We've had one owner have to testify in front of Congress. We've had to have the commissioner testify yeah. in front of Congress. We've had another owner, Stephen Ross, uh, suspended by the league because of tampering with none other than Tom Brady. Um, then we have this entire Deshaun Watson saga playing over out over the course of days, weeks, mm-hmm. and months. And so it seems like there's more going on off the field that would explode your head than ever. On the other hand, as you said, these last playoffs were thrilling. I mean, it's not hard to turn onto a game and be obsessed with a new quarterback and player. It sort of exposes the dueling tensions of football more than ever these days because there's a lot that people should be asking serious, important questions about, but it's also really hard not to be entertained by the product that they end, end up putting on the field every Sunday. In a lot of ways, their strategy, which is, you know, try and get through all these crises as quick as possible, and then people on Sunday are going to return to just watching the game they love. Exactly. That was going to be my word. Exactly. <laughs> Yikes. You're not I don't wrong. Think you're, and by the way, Andrew, you're not wrong. You're, not wrong. You're not wrong. And I don't think the NFL is wrong either. He is Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal. Andrew, as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. Love being on. Folks, that's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out my other crooked podcast, X-Ray Vision, where we talk about all the nerd shows and stuff going on, including the recently premiered House of the Dragon on HBO Max. Check it out. Bye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah Dibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.